Hello and welcome to the Mac Gamecast episode 35. I am John Carr as always and with me today is Ted. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well today. Fantastic. We are going to continue our best games of all time. Last week I did it. It started with Casper. It'll be ongoing and Ted here is here today to tell us about his favorite games or some of them and I'll throw in some of mine. But um, I would like you to start. Um, What are some of your favorite games throughout your I don't, I don't know. Is the right word gaming career, gaming life? I don't know. <laughs> gaming life. Yeah. yeah. It's been a life. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's, it, there's been so many games. I mean, I've been playing for like, well, it seems like forever. And, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the oldest member of this particular group of talkers. So right. <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time. So I thought I'd start with, a. Uh, a couple old ones that meant something to me, but not particularly because they were great other than that they meant more a lot to me. So the first one I'm going to talk about is an old, old, old game called Galaxians. Hmm. And it came out, I believe, in 1971. I mean, six, uh, 81. And I played it on an Apple II Plus in 82. <laughs> Wow, nice. <laughs> it would the only reason that that's on the list is because it's like the first game I ever bought. And um you know, it's it's just kind of funny. I mean, you can think, you know, I had 16 whole color, colors. <laughs> <laughs> and uh it was a bottom-up shooter, you know. It's kind of like uh, uh what do you call it? Um oh, I can't think of the name of it. Um Space Invaders, whatever the ones, right, the yeah. little guy. Except this one allowed your um, them to fly around instead of just go back and forth. So the bad, you know, the bad Galaxians were would fly around. You had to kind of scoot around to catch them as they were flying at you, type thing. It was fun. It was just something, you know. It was like I had this ancient computer. Well, at the time it wasn't, and right. uh, gave me something to do. So anyhow, that was a lot of fun. The second one is kind of a weird one, but it's. It's, um, I don't know, you probably never ran into it. It was called Monty Python's Complete Waste of Time. Uh, you know, I've heard of it, but I've never played it. Okay, it was it was kind of a really corny game, but the whole purpose of it was kind of like a, uh, you know, figure out the puzzle and you get a, a, a clip from one of their skits. I mean, that's pretty much what the game was about. Now, <laughs> kind of silly. I thought it was fun. Um it was actually fun. The puzzles were a little bit of complex, you know, and some of them required a lot of thinking, which was good because I like puzzle games. Um, the main reason I brought that one up and is because it's the very first game I ever got published when I did a review of. Oh, so how about I actually that? published that in uh, Mac Home Journal um, before it before it became Mac Home, before it went out of business, but actually, you know, printed on paper and, uh, you know, paid for <laughs> which well, is i did a lot of i didn't do very many of those but i did a few you know of those type of things so that was actually kind of fun it was kind of like my introduction to the uh, uh reviewing world so uh anyhow very that was cool fun. i like yeah that. quick note uh on the game i looked it up on wikipedia okay it says the game the monty python game it shipped more than fifty thousand units worldwide by december 1994 wow <laughs> That was that was you know that was pretty cool. I mean, uh, yeah. What did I have on it? It was. Um, I don't think. Oh, it was it was published by Seventh Level, and it came out in '95. Yeah, 
that was the only thing I had on. I couldn't find a whole lot on it. It's been a long time. I don't think I even have the disc anymore. <laughs> oh, speaking <laughs> of going back to Galaxians, I think I do have the five and a quarter inch floppy floating around oh, here. Oh so. my lord, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I've caught a little bit of computer history there, but anyhow, nice. um, it was a lot of fun. Um, all right, money so Python's a good time. So it it really was, and then back in the day, it was you know they were pretty big and they were doing all types of multimedia stuff and. Um, I, I saw that. I happened to get a copy. I think it was one of the uh, Macworld Expos. And um, and I, I don't know. Something just clicked in my brain and said, you know, why don't you try to submit this? And I happened to bump into an editor who liked my copy. So <laughs> that's what worked. So I, I wrote a whole bunch of uh, reviews for that particular editor before, you know, she moved on and everything. But anyhow, that was, nice. that was pretty a little bit of history there. So I guess I'll just jump around. I think I tried to put things in order, and I had a real hard time with that. But my criteria was basically how much did I play it and how much was I impressed with the story or the gameplay. And um, I think the one that really, even though I don't play anymore and it's still around, the one that's probably my favorite of all times was uh, was World of Warcraft. And, uh, you know, I'm a big MMO fan and, uh, I mean, I play them. I'm not like, like a pro player by any means, but I enjoy playing them. I like the interactions with people. I like the fact that the worlds are open. You can go exploring and, uh, there's usually a little bit of story. I think they initially, the people at Blizzard did a really good job with World of Warcraft. They put in a lot of story. They made the um the battle systems and the uh the the crafting systems interesting enough you know i think the biggest problem that i have with any mmo i don't think i've ever found one better that the uh, crafting system never is consummate with the abilities of the player you know rarely can you make something that you can't find something better somewhere else oh uh, yeah that's you know true. that's 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 a big problem with them but i think world of warcraft did a lot of a lot of good stuff uh, overall, did you get uh, into it when it first released or a little later? I, I actually got into it when it first released. I actually was invited to play the um, initial stress test test of the game when they opened first, just before they released it, where they actually um, tried to get as many players online at the first, you know, together to see how well their servers could handle the, the handle it. And uh, it was like one week of uh, free play, and that was a lot of fun. It gave a good introduction to the game, and people had a lot of fun goofing around towards the end, especially. (laughs) I think there was a whole bunch of parties going on and people dancing and whatnot. But anyhow, um, that was that's when I first started. And then I was, you know, it was kind of funny. I was really hesitant to um, keep playing it because I've always been the type of guy is, you know, you buy the game and you play it. You don't pay for it every month, right? right? And, you know, World of Warcraft was one of those games where it was like, okay, monthly or, you know, better if you want to buy a subscription. <clears throat> but eventually I had I bumped into some other friends locally that were playing and it's like, oh, why don't you come? So I, you know, after the stress test, I played a little bit and then I quit and then got back into it. And so I think I've been playing pretty much from the first year of release, except for a few months, all the way until a few years, maybe a year or so ago when I finally decided to, you know, quit it. So, um, 
Yeah, real good game. A lot of things to do in it. Um, I don't know. You don't play a lot of, I don't think you play a lot of MMOs. Right? I, I don't, yeah. but I've dabbled in um, like their demos or their, their trial versions. Like I did mm-hmm. get a, uh, a, a Torin up to level 20 in World of Warcraft. Oh, okay. Which was like, that was back in, oof, that was like five years ago or something, six years yeah. ago. Honestly, I only really did it because if you did that, you got a special thing in Hearthstone. Yeah. And I did have a girlfriend then who was into it. So we did play it together and that made it more enjoyable. Like actually, okay. you know, playing together and exploring and fighting together and stuff like that. Um, as it, I'm a huge Warcraft fan, um, but Emma, and I also love RPGs and you would think like, oh, that would be a perfect fit for me. Yeah. And, um, but just MMO systems aren't really my jam. Um, but I do recognize like the scale of what they can do for a lot of players. Um, and that they can get really epic with big stories or lots of, uh, hundred player raids or whatever they do and big battles against factions, player versus player and all this stuff. So, um, I recognize they can be cool, but they're usually not quite for me. I tend to prefer, um, I like multiplayer games. I play a lot of them, but usually like, limited to four player or five player or whatever you know right yeah i i did a, i did a little bit of the 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 40 man raids that they had um mostly because i was looking to get gear i mean that's the whole reason for doing it but um and every so often it was just just for fun and i yeah i played with other people which was also a lot of fun i have one friend i've been playing with for oh i don't know 20 years you know, we play oh, wow, once nice. we play once a week together, some game or another. We've shifted around games over the years, but we had ended up on World of Warcraft before uh, when we moved on from that. But um, right. yeah, so it's really nice. I like playing with yeah, exactly. I like playing with someone else, I like being able to communicate with them and make plans. And and usually two people, it, you can do a lot more. You know, right? What was uh, like your main class in World of Warcraft or classes? My, yeah, you know, it's kind of towards the end. My favorite class was Paladin. Um, I had one that I kind of, you know, imped up. The first one I started with was a um, a hunter. And, you know, I thought that was nice because, um, you know, you got a pet and you get to do, you know, things like that. But I ended up really liking the Paladin because it's a little bit of combination of, um melee in you know in your face melee as well as some magical stuff and um and also had some minor ability to heal and i the class i had chosen and gosh i can't remember how to pronounce the name like i'm gonna say it wrong i'm sure but it was like Drenai. um but they were one of the each of the races in in the world of warcraft had some sort of inherent ability that was part of their racial abilities. So like, and that particular group had a healing ability built into it. So you had a healer with an extra healing ability built in. So it was pretty, that was kind of useful, but it was, it was fun. I brought him up for many years and for a while I was playing like four different characters. I was just keeping up maxed out every time, but, um, Always Alliance or Horde or what was it? Always, pretty much always Alliance. Although I did play a handful of Horde different ones. Um, Mostly because I wanted to try what it was like, but I just never got into the horde mystique. And, and you know, it's kind of funny. One of the one of the I don't want to say complaints. One of the things I hated most about World of Warcraft was the horde towns. And if you've ever been in one, um, 
you might know what I'm talking about, but they're never on one level and you've got to go through a maze to get anywhere. <laughs> I mean, Agrimar is like, oh, there's an elevator over here. There's a stairway over there. There's a ramp down over there. And, you know, it's like, I want to get over here, but I can't figure out how to get there. <laughs> yeah, you know? um, I do. I do remember that. Though I think oh, yeah, I visited Orgrimmar and yeah, I was like, how, like I was complaining to my girlfriend, and then at the time, girlfriend, like, <laughs> like, where is, where are things? How do I get, you know? <laughs> well, even the Torin home city, I mean, it's up in the air, kind of, and you got to get up the elevator up into it, and then there's all these different islands, I guess, for lack of a better word, with little pathways between them and stuff. I remember that, and it's like, you know, so it, it's kind of like funny. Whereas, you know, in the uh, the main alliance town, it was all kind of like on one level. There were different parts to it, but it was kind of organized in a grid, and you once you know you figured out where you had to go. So that was that was a funny thing. But uh, <laughs> and another funny story with um, what was it the uh, the undead city. Uh, there was an elevator you had to go from the ruins above, which was the old city, down to where the actual city was, and right. um, got caught in the elevator once, <laughs> and it kept falling down and killing me. Oh, no. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I had to, I, had to uh, I, I don't remember how we got out of that one. I think it was, there was no easy way to do it. I think you basically just had to um, quit the game and then come back some other time and hope that they moved you somewhere. Right. <laughs> But, but I mean, there were some there were some bugs in the game originally, and you know, as any good game over the years, the the uh, systems improved so that it went from moderately good to really you know well thought out and type of things. But I think it got to a point ultimately where it matured beyond. More, I don't think there's much more you can do with it, you know, and and I think by trying to keep all the legacy parts of the world and everything that they've were kind of hampered in what they could, you know, go move on to. So now I, again, I haven't played the last couple X packs. So, um, right. um, but who knows, but, you know, ultimately I thought, you know, their best bet would be to just create a whole new thing and, start again from the beginning with all their experience and know-how, you know, and use that to create something that starts off really good, but it never came out. I heard some rumors, but, um, you know, never right. came through. And what was nice about World of Warcraft is they always supported Max. Mm, right. And even though I was playing with a friend who was a PC player, you know, I'm playing on my Mac. And that, that was, you know, that was one of the main reasons I stuck with it for so long was that it was one of the best games around that you, you know, get on a Mac. So anyhow, um, that's what I got on that one. Nice. Yeah, I'll hop in <clears throat> with a related favorite, which is going to be Warcraft 3. Ah. Um, always, you know, I almost picked Warcraft 2 because in a sense it was more formative for me it's what actually got me into playing rts games real-time strategy games um you know back when i was i don't know crepes 10 years old or something <laughs> um, my brother came home with it one day my older brother he's four years older so you know he went out to best buy or something and bought it um and you know we all shared a computer in the house uh, four kids um although my sister didn't play too much on the computer but she watched us sometimes that doesn't matter um, the point is he brought it in this game and, you know, I remember going into the room and like the box is laying on the floor or something, picked it up like, oh, this looks cool. You know, the orc and human facing each other like aggressively. I'm like, oh, this looks cool. And 
watch him playing and oh let me try of course i wasn't very good at it to begin with i got good at it later after playing it a bunch but so i almost picked warcraft 2 for being more formative but i have to say warcraft 3 i played much longer and has stuck with me for a longer time because of all the memories i've had with the game both in single player and in multiplayer and custom games and all this stuff so i wanted to pick warcraft 2 just for like the historical record um but warcraft 3 is really the more accurate pick um i never played warcraft 1 um but yeah like warcraft 2 so yeah warcraft 3 um what really was the big hook uh was it evolved from a pure strategy game um to uh introducing rpg mechanics it added in heroes to every race and they could hold items they could gain levels you could pick your skills everyone had four skills three normals and an ultimate or maybe a passive or whatever um, and suddenly you're not just gathering wood and gold and building bases and making units you have this hero. So, uh, what was super fun about that? Not only with the story, cause they could do a lot of fun stuff with the story in the single player side, you know, various heroes, like, you know, your Arthas and your Uthers or, um, all the, you know, you went through each race, but in a particular sequence, I think the campaign was human, undead, uh, orc, then night elf. That was, okay. that was it. So it was, it was a whole sequence. Leading up to um, the uh, Burning Legion invasion of the world and uh, the Night Elves defending at the World Tree and all this stuff. Um, <clears throat> but the the hero mechanic was so new to me. I'd like hadn't I can't remember at the time at that time I must have already played like Diablo two or at least a demo of it. But I think that was the only sort of actiony RPG I had played. Not that Warcraft two is an action RPG, but. I'm referring to this concept of, oh, I have like a 3D character who's my hero unit and he can like level up and get items. That kind of idea um, hadn't really been introduced before. So I remember playing the Warcraft 3 demo and just being like, this is amazing. This is such a cool blend of strategy, base building and like hero, hero upgrades. And I was like, this is incredible. So of course I bought it. In fact, I bought two copies just so I could have a different cover (laughs) because they came in each. The game came in four covers of each race. So I bought a night elf one and an orc one because they're my favorite races. I never remember what I did with the extra copy, but I gave it to a friend or something and kept the box. Um, But it's not just a single player, which I loved and played multiple times in the campaign. And uh, later they had an expansion, which I can't remember the name of right now, but that was really good, too. Um, went through all the races again, but in a different order. Although the orc, actually the orc campaign was a, uh, it wasn't in the main story. It was like a, uh, RPG adventure side story with, um, uh, a half ogre, half orc guy. Uh, what's his name? Rexar and his, and Misha, with his bear. Um, but that, that was also cool, but it was like more of a side story. Jaina shows up and this and that, but, um, Yeah. <clears throat> right, and the multiplayer was also really fun for the same reasons. Um, I generally prefer to play free-for-alls because I really always like the chaotic nature. But, I mean, back then I was playing on dial-up and uh, my father ran a home business. So, of course, people would, like, call and then I would have to get offline and, like, interrupt my match. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that would happen. And they'd be like, no, I'm doing really well this game, but I have to disconnect, <laughs> you know, ugh. Or sometimes I was like, oh, I was getting my butt kicked. This is great. I'm out of here anyway. You know, so I never, I never like to tap out of matches. That's like unsportsmanlike. Um, you know, I'd let, let, let people have their win. I think it's important, but sometimes I'd have to bail on and be typing frantically. Sorry, you know, parents kicking me off. Um, <laughs> but you know, I also ended up joining a clan and running it with another guy and, you know, making some great friends. And that was also my, 
uh, was it my first? I can't remember my exact timeline. I'd have to look it up with Bungie's Myth series because I also got big into that multiplayer. Myth, yeah. In any case, those two were like my earliest like multiplayer experiences where I like met other cool guys and um, hung out in clans and played together and just had a great time yeah. with the game and you know playing. Uh, n- never played in like a tournament or anything, but we held around like in house ones, playing one v one against each other. And I was only really good with Orc. I was very good with Orc. And like mediocre with most everyone else, um, so I usually lost horribly with every other race. But when I played Orc, I could I could kick butt in, in multiplayer. <laughs> um, but yeah, just the multiplayer memories, the single player. Uh, dang it! What's the? Let me see. Now I have to look at the name of the expansion. The Frozen Throne, of course. How could I forget? That was uh, that was brilliant. It was Arthas's whole descent, um, or really ascension to becoming the Lich King. Um, and Illidan also transforming into a demon and then trying to fight him for the, fro- the, the throne and the crown. Um, and it just introduced really cool new heroes, cool new maps. Um, introduced, I think, uh, mercenary heroes, mercenary units and heroes you could hire. And throwing that into multiplayer was wild because suddenly you could hire like, you, you know, you're, you could usually figure out what hero your opponent would use because there's only three of them per race. Although the expansion okay. added a fourth. But then suddenly there's a whole building full of like 10 neutral heroes you could hire. So you could really mix up your strategy by going out and recruiting. Like you don't know what hero the enemy might pull out. Um, but again, you know, when Clint, you know, you've played WoW, so you know the Blizzard um, polish on games. Cinematics are great. The oh, in-game yeah. camera angles are really cool and dynamic and they swoop around in different angles and the voice acting's pretty good. So all that was there in the Warcraft 3 single-player campaigns. Um and uh yeah i replayed them a lot you know beat all of them in the expansion at least two or three times um and they're pretty long so it takes a while um yeah so just good stuff you know always also always been a blizzard fan um i made some of their other games might have made my list we'll see but um <laughs> yeah huge huge fan of warcraft warcraft 3 in particular um you know it's worth mentioning warcraft 3 i think reforged um did come out, I don't know, two years ago or something. Uh, wasn't met with much positive reception by fans because um, they kind of dropped the ball on it. It wasn't the port they said it would be. They said it would have all, like, um, you know, they were going to update all the uh, the campaign, like, cinematics and graphics. Not cinematics, like, the in-game cameras and make it all, like, dynamic and cool and updated. And um so they didn't do any of that, and I think they removed a bunch of features people wanted from multiplayer for some reason. So it was just like, yeah. it was weird. I actually bought it and then returned it, but for mm. some reason it stayed installed, like activated on my computer, even though I had returned it and got a refund. Oh, wow. But honestly, I didn't. Don't I play don't, it. <laughs> I, I didn't play it. I was like, you know, I really want to play this because of my love for Warcraft 3 and the nostalgia, and it does look better. It was a visual upgrade. You can't say it wasn't. But it's like, I also have games I haven't played yet. So should I really go play this again for like the third or fourth time? Or should I just play my new games? And I'm like, I'm going to play my new game. So I uninstalled it. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, I, agree. I would yeah. love, love, love a Warcraft 4. Um, you know, I love RTS. I love RPGs and shooters. They're my top three game categories. Okay. Um, you know, an updated Warcraft with modern graphics. And, you know, but... You know, a- after Warcraft 3, a couple of years later, they made WoW. So, you know, that took over the Warcraft universe. And, and there's been no peep of any other Warcraft products since, basically. Yeah, um, I was I was kind of surprised about that. I really thought the stand, 
you know, the single player or, or cooperative player games would be more popular. But um, yeah. Right. Um, I guess it's also not, I guess I should also mention the Warcraft 3 uh, custom scene, like player made scene was really big as well. Because Blizzard released the tools, which was cool. <clears throat> um, and uh, I, I started mucking around with those maps. And oh, okay, um, yeah. I think it had like a, I think you could filter like popular, most popular. So I tried out, oh, there's this little model called Dota All-Stars. I'm like, what's this? So you just pick a hero and you go out into a big map and two or three lanes or four lanes and you fight other creeps and other heroes and you have to kill their base. I'm like, well, this is a cool concept. Um, of course, this would what this was the first iteration of the what would later be known as the MOBA genre or multiplayer online battle arena. And of course, it would later spawn League of Legends, Dota 2, uh, other spinoffs and competitors and so on. So um, I remember playing various maps of this early concept and going, this is really cool. <laughs> um, and then I got a, a Warcraft 3 for a while. And only years later, when they started releasing releasing commercial MOBAs, Demigod was the first one in what, 2008? I played that and I'm like, this kind of reminds me of that Dota mod, but not really. <laughs> it was different. And then 2009, League of Legends and Heroes of North came out and I'm like, oh my God, it's it's just like that mod. But now it's like a full version of the whole game and fully featured. And I'm like, this is really cool. And um, but well, I'm not going to go on a MOBA bent, but it's just worth mentioning that all of this spawned out of Warcraft 3 and the, just the player community, uh, basically, mm-hmm. which is really cool. So, you know, uh, Blizzard may not be what it used to be these days. Um, not that I'm here to go on a Blizzard tangent, but um, I got a lot of love and respect uh, for Blizzard just growing up, playing a lot of their games, having a blast with their single player campaigns, um, you know, with multiplayer, with friends, with family members, with buddies, like all just good times so warcraft 3 is is my pick yeah yeah i never got the i never did play this those any of those surprisingly enough i think i my introduction was right into uh world of warcraft so i heard about them and actually was tempted to buy one but i don't i never did for some reason i'm not sure why <laughs> yeah so right yeah i mean if you're more of an mmo guy the strategy appeal is probably less present um, you'd rather control the hero character and run around and have adventures, you know, that, you know, you're, you're an RPG guy. So it makes sense that you're more attracted yeah. to the RPG side than the strategy side, because the RPG side is very light in Warcraft three. Um, you know, you right. still have to run around clicking and managing all your base and building stuff, managing the peasants and workers and, <laughs> you know, your, your army and all this stuff. So, um, your heroes there and you have to go out and level them up and fight neutrals and get items and stuff. But, um, it wasn't the main thing. Like you aren't the you know hero is part of your faction. You're not the hero or the the character like you are in World of Warcraft and other other games. Right. So yeah. it makes sense. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. You uh, have another game on your list. Sure. You I'll, I'll, talk about? Since yeah, since we're talking about RPGs, I'll bring in another older slight. I guess it's an old. Yeah, it's an older game. Um, Neverwinter Nights. Ooh, that, that was released in uh, 2002. Bioware, uh, an Obsidian uh, Obsidian Entertainment. Um, it came initially with its own campaign. I guess it was an RPG group. You could play with a group of people or single person. I played it both ways. I played um, through the campaign alone, and I also played it through with a friend. Um, 
it was pretty good. It was, it, there was actually a story to it, even though it was just, you know, it was an RPG and you're, you know, you're building up your character and you're going, but you had to go, you know, it was kind of linear. You had to go here, go there, do this, do that type of thing. But there was a story to it. And if you followed along, you kind of learned what was happening. And <clears throat> it was a long enough time ago that I don't remember the exact story, but I do remember that it was very, very good. Right. Um, the, there was a couple of good things about it. It, it, they had a really good progression system for the time for your character. A lot of different traits you could buy, things you could do to enhance the character. The one thing about a lot of, um, RP, well, I guess any, any real game, it, it's, it, you know, where you, where you're fighting, it's all about getting better gear <laughs> and, uh, I think they had a halfway decent system for that. And there was some strategy to it. I mean, you couldn't just walk into an event or a, a battle, you know, sword or whatever blazing and hope to win. You sometimes had to think what was the best way to get around something. You know, there were a couple different couple scenarios that they came up with where you had to actually think, okay, this guy's healing that guy. So I better take out the healers before I take out the fighters, you know, because if I don't, the heal, the fighters are going to get healed before I finish them off. Things like that. Um, really good storyline. So I really, really, that was one of the things, the best things that impressed me. I played that one for many years. Um, the, one of the things that was really nice about it is they early on released the ability to create maps for it and campaigns, oh, nice. which meant there was a whole bunch of people making all different types of, you know, campaigns you could play after you finished the main one. There was, I think, I know there was two, maybe three expansions that they, you could actually buy from, from that company, but there were some that were, uh, I was going to say, I'm not, I'm going to say amateur, but then I'm going to explain a little bit. There were some amateur ones that were done that were just phenomenal. A lot of fun, well thought out. Matter of fact, there was one that was so good. I, um, I was just so impressed by it. I actually, I don't, I think it was maybe what, you know, quote what we used to call shareware, which was, if you really like it, send the guy a few bucks, you know, type right. thing. Yeah. And I think it was, so I got in touch with the guy who created it and I started the conversation with him and it was kind of fun because it turns out that his day job was writing campaigns for D&D modules. Oh. The real, you know, the you know, where you could buy the book and play a game with your, you know, board game with friends or whatever. That's what he did for his pay, for <laughs> his day job. He actually created a full-blown campaign for uh um Neverwinter Nights which was a real blast. I mean, it was as good as and well thought up as the original games that came with it. And I'll never forget that because it was just so, so much fun. I was just completely blown away by the fact that some guy in his spare time did that much work to create something like that. Probably something he couldn't sell that work and, you know, reformatted it for the game, but he built right, all right. the maps and all the what's it's that had to go with it. And, uh, you know, really good. Um, Trying nice. to think there was anything else about, it. but it did follow the standard D and D rules for the time. I don't remember what version that was. I mean, it must have been like three, maybe back then, maybe something like that. But it was, you know, I actually started playing the original D and D back when it first came out. <laughs> I actually have um, the original set you can get from uh, Gynax. So, oh, wow. um, yeah. 
but um it was you know so basically i when i saw that this was a dnd based game i was really you know you know really excited about it so i played again that was one you could play cooperatively i play you know I, I think i said that i played with a friend so that went on for a long time um nice there were several different character types you know the typical thief archer um warrior i don't know if there was many classes of warrior it might have just been a regular sword jock um but uh, it was a pretty good game anyhow they did resurrect it on steam you know you were talking about your last uh with uh warcraft that they came out with a, re- a revamped version of it yeah they've done the same thing on it on steam and uh i picked it up but i never really went too far with it i played a little bit it was like i remembered but even though they upgraded the graphics, it's still, I'm a real, uh, what's the word for it? Graphics junkie. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I've seen over the many years of playing games is every time something new comes out, there's always something better, something flashier, something more more well done in the background. I mean, today with the 8K, I've been watching some of the videos on games that are being played at 8K. It's just phenomenal. I mean, you think you're actually walking through the woods or something, yeah. you know, compared to where it was back in, you know, back in, you know, 2000s when you had these little stick figures on this, well, just about stick figures on the screen and a little right. bit of backgrounds. But uh, yeah, so anyhow, but it was good. It was a lot of fun. Probably very few people that are around now played it. Um, it was, again, it was a Mac game and it was compatible with PC players. So that was another yeah, thing. That is I think nice. I think everything on my list except for the last the newest couple things are all games that were um on the Mac and also cooperatively playable with someone that was not on a Mac, which, you know, I was like I was always been a real big Mac f- play game player fan, so I only recently started uh moving into playing Windows because I just got tired of waiting, but yeah. yeah, no, it's true. Bioware and Blizzard, seeing as we were talking about both of them, um, they were very good at supporting Mac with all their titles. You know, <laughs> Bioware put out um, Night Sealed, well, Aspire ported Night Sealed Republic, I think, but mm-hmm. I don't remember. Um, but also, um, what was it, Jade Empire? Um, there might have been some other Bioware stuff. Um, I think all the Icewind Dales and all that, was all that stuff them? Was that Bioware? I, I don't know who I'm did it. I'm not sure about that one. I didn't play those, but yeah. They were pretty. They they were yeah. They've always pretty well supported the Macs, and that that was that was one of the big things for sticking with it. You know, it wasn't some of the stuff from, um, that just popped in for a little bit, but um, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Um, I never, I peaked at Neverwinter Nights some sort of demo, um, with a buddy. We liked our again. We had similar tastes. We liked Diablo. We liked Warcraft. Um, you know, adventure stuff. Um, so there's some sort of demo, I think, um, for Neverwinter Nights. And we, I remember playing it for a few hours, um, but I had no experience with the actual D&D rule set. Mm-hmm. I had a vague awareness, like, oh, yeah, there's D&D out there. It's more intricate <laughs> and all this stuff. But when right. I actually encountered it, I was like, oh, my Lord, like, you know, I was way younger. I couldn't really wrap my head around it, all the all the feats and the stats and the classes and this <laughs> and that. And I think I tried to make a ranger, but then I think I went dual feeder class for some reason, which probably was a dumb idea because I was like level four or something. Right. Um, and I remember liking the idea of the game and the world. And I mean, it looked, you know, it was cool. 
it was compelling, but I just couldn't get into like the combat and the character building because I couldn't understand it. If I went back and played it now or a similar game now, I could because I'm right. much more experienced and I've played more complicated games. But back then, I was used to much more straightforward stuff. Um, so it was just like I, I couldn't get into it. So I didn't I didn't get too far. But I remember it being really cool and being like, I could see why it's super cool. But, I, you know, once again, I had other games in, in the wings. So I, I moved on. Yeah. Um, but cool game for sure. Uh, I think it got yeah. pretty popular at its time. Yeah, I think it was. And, and I know it was it was a lot of fun to play. So and, you know, it could I could I'd spend a couple of hours every well, I was playing like when I was playing with a friend, I would be playing for like two and a half hours every night. I actually was playing with three people. That was kind of nice. So um, I don't know how they did it back then. <laughs> oh. I think the hardest thing of playing multiplayer or group playing back in the day with on the Mac was there was there was very there were very few audio programs, audio conversation programs that allowed you to platform between the Mac and a PC. You know, if if it worked on a if it worked on Windows, it might not work on the Mac. And so you had to come up with some alternate ways of communicating, like the telephone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> right. Good stuff. Yeah, uh, well, I'll take uh, a turn to talk about an RPG as well, uh, which I have more than one on my list. I have three or four in total. Uh, but let's go with perhaps uh, The Witcher 1. Ah. Um, now, is this the best game in the Witcher series? No, it's probably the worst. Um, but it's the first one I played back in 2007. Uh, way back, it wasn't on a Mac then, it was on a buddy's PC, but this would be later ported to Mac, actually in reverse. The Witcher 2 would come out in, I don't know, 2011. That was ported to Mac by um, virtual programming, or at least helped. Then a year or two later, they backported, not virtual programming, I think CD Projekt themselves backported The Witcher 1 to Mac through Wine. I think the port had some issues, but they got it working eventually. Yeah. So even though I didn't play it on a Mac, here in one moment, it later became a Mac game. Sorry, it's gotten too bright. Um, so, you know, I think it still makes the list. I mean, actually, I think none of Casper's games are Mac at all. Okay. So they don't have to be Mac games. It really is just favorite games of all time. Sorry if it's a little bright. The, That's uh, okay. I don't have curtains. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're on for our, for our audio listeners. Ted and I are on video, but we don't record the video. So my, my, my video is going kind of whitewashed out here. <laughs> um but yeah, The Witcher 1. Again, um, have, I played all The Witcher games. Honestly, I've spent the most time on The Witcher 2, so I could pick that one. But again, for a similar, for what I was talking about with Warcraft, Witcher 1 was very formative for me. It got me into The Witcher series in general. You know, I went on to read all the books and then later get into the Netflix show. And um, I even watched some random old like Polish movie where they did make a Witcher movie, but it was really weird and not very good. Um, didn't know about that one. <laughs> in fact, it was terrible. <laughs> I think it was made in like the 90s, early 2000s or something. Oh, wow. Uh, maybe it was a movie. I think it was a show. Anyway, it's it's not good. But The Witcher 1 really, it was the first time also that I'd, um, I really got into a game. Before back then, like a single player game I played actually, and then that doesn't necessarily make sense because I had already played like 
Warcraft and this and that by then. But I remember finishing the game and it took me like 30 hours to finish. And I was like, oh my God, that's so much time to put into one game. <laughs> um, but by then I'd already put more than that time into like Warcraft and, um, you know, just a bunch of other games I'd already played for longer. But somehow having it like time stamped, like, because I think your save file told you how long you played. It was like, right. whoa, it was like crazy. Um, so The Witcher 1, you know, of course, you play as Geralt. Um, it picks up after the books. No, it's where you, you have amnesia. So then characters know you, but you don't know them. So it's like right. this mechanic where you're like, you're meeting this dwarf, this leader, this person. And you're like, who are you? And they have to explain like, well, I know you from this, that, or the other thing. Um, but it's just a really well-realized world, which makes sense because it's based on a well-written book. I mean, my opinion is it's well-written, but the Witcher books are popular. Um, so yeah, that's like a general that. consensus. Um, so it just really felt like a realized world. Um, and I like that it wasn't just all combat. You could just wander around and explore and gather herbs and make potions and admire um, the scenery. Speaking of admiring the scenery, fun fact, the Witcher 1 was built on a heavily modified Neverwinter Nights engine. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very heavily modified, but that was its basis. <laughs> Yeah. Um, if you were to compare the two graphically, you'd be like, what? You couldn't tell, but um, uh, they later switched to their own engine, uh, Red Engine for Witcher 2 and 3 and all that. But um, yeah, that was a fun little fact. And we were just talking about Neverwinter Nights. Um, oh but a very immersive world with the questing, the combat. Um, you know, the Witcher's all about those shades of gray. You know, sometimes you try to do the right thing, but it's the wrong thing or vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you can go help peasants or you can help kings and nobility and hunt monsters. And, um, you know, I remember the scope of the game being very impressive to me at the time because there's huge cities to wander around and just vast swaths of forest and mountains. And you could just more or less wander around, not like 100% open world, but it was pretty semi like reasonably semi open world. Um, yeah. you know, which again for its time. And at least for me, I hadn't encountered that before in in an rpg not in that i mean okay you could say like diablo but it's like top down and you know it's almost more flat this was like you know third person behind the character type it's more immersive more pulls you in so um yeah i just remember being impressed visually um i love this story i love the side quest the characters were fun all the characters people know uh tris and dandelion and Geralt and um, his Witcher buddies, Kermorn and Ciri isn't in the story at all, or Yennefer. They're completely omitted. Um, they don't show up until real, actually the Witcher three. They're also not in the Witcher two other than <laughs> by some references. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, you know, I'm glad the Witcher series took off, but the Witcher one really pulled me in not only into the universe, but that kind of RPG, that sort of more sprawling, maybe slower one where it's not just bet up until that point. I'd mostly been playing action RPGs. Uh, like Diablo and uh, what was it? Titan, Titan, not Titanfall. That's the wrong word. Titans quest or something. Anyway, various like action RPGs. I remember trying a whole bunch of them. Not right. all of them were on Mac. Um, <clears throat> so it was formative, not only getting me into the Witcher, but also into like a different style of RPG. And um, the game doesn't really hold up well today, although it is getting a remake, like a full remake, not by CD Projekt, uh, what are they called? Fool something. Like it's in their name, Fool Studio, or I think oh, it's some okay. other Polish group. I hadn't heard that, yeah. Um, yeah, they're fully remaking The Witcher 1. They're also making more Witcher games. There's like next-gen Witcher games coming, which won't be out for wow. years and years. Yeah. I don't think <clears> they're calling it The Witcher 4, because I don't think it's going to feature Geralt. 
I think it's okay. going to be, I mean, this is just my speculation and I don't want to go on too long about it, but I suspect um, it's probably going to be a prequel when the witchers were uh, much more populous rather than dwindling. And there was like, I don't know, 10 different witcher schools. So I suspect in the new game, you'll be able to make your own character and pick a school. Right. And that'll yeah. give you certain like abilities or <clears throat> starting innates or gear or whatever. And then you can like go out and play the game, I suspect. Or they'll make a game where you play Siri, one of the two. I can't imagine they'll do anything else. But I'm pretty sure Geralt's like done and done. You know, he's been in three games. You know, they wrapped <laughs> up his story really nicely in The Witcher 3 with all the DLC and all the extra content. Um, you know, it's it's like super solid. They don't really need to pull him out again for another game. People would still play it because, you know, Geralt's cool. Um, but, um, you know, I'm sure they'll do something new with it. Anyway, The Witcher 1 was my pick. Um, just a lot of fun. Yeah, can't really recommend going back to replay it. I think The Witcher 2 still holds up, like visually, combat, and all that stuff. With The Witcher 1, I had really clunky UI, clunky yeah. combat. I mean, I enjoyed it at the time, but I probably wouldn't enjoy it again. Still a fun story, but it, it also miss, like lacks like some of the main players, like Ciri and Yennefer, like, can you really talk about Geralt without Siri and Yennefer? No, if you know the books and everything. But um, still a great game. And again, pulled me in in a big way and then made me look for other games and look for more Witchers. So um, big fan of, yeah, The Witcher 1 from 2007. Yeah, that, was, that, that was a good game. I actually played it when it came out in the Mac. <clears throat> nice. Yeah, fun times. And I, I didn't actually remember the engine detail, but yeah, Neverwinter Nights modified. <laughs> I think <laughs> it was the Aurora, the Aurora engine was the name okay. at the time. Yeah, I, I kind of vaguely remember that, but <clears throat> I, um, you know, if I wouldn't have mem- had remembered enough to say it, <laughs> the jog my memory. I've always yeah. liked game engine details. It's always fascinated me. Like, oh, <laughs> what game uh, engine is this game running on? Sure, you know. Um, is it like ID software's engine or is it Unreal Engine or is it custom? You know, of course, now things are much more generalized. Most people are running Unity or Unreal Engine or, uh, of course, um, EA has the, what is it, their Frostbite engine. You know, there's a couple major players. Some people still run their own custom thing, but most, a lot of people are switching to Unreal Engine 5 and everything, but because it just, it's insanely good looking. But yeah. um, that's that's a bit of a tangent. But um, yeah. We'll see. Um, Witcher three never came to Mac, which is sad. Uh, yeah. But you can it runs well on Macs through stuff like Parallels or Crossover, and of course Boot Camp. Um, uh, fun fact: I actually upgraded my Mac, my uh, iMac twenty twenty iMac to try and play The Witcher through Parallels, The Witcher three. Like I got more RAM to to run it and everything. Um, and it actually ran very well, but oh. um, for some reason I didn't get into it again. I was just playing too many other games, but. Well, that does work yeah. really well um, if you if you want to um, do I most or, you know, you can play it on GeForce now. Um, there's there's a lot of ways you can you can play The Witcher 3 these days on a Mac if you really wanted to. And it goes on sale all the time. Like, it's pretty easy to pick it up. Yeah. Um, Witcher 2 still is a native Mac port, although I doubt it runs on silicon. Um, I mean, it might, I guess I never tested it, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, it's still, it ran, it was actually a good port. Like it was a good Mac port or at least a good enough one. I think weirdly the settings were stuck on medium and there was no way around that. That being said, the game was so like good looking and demanding, jacking it up to like higher ultra probably wouldn't have really mattered anyway. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, funny, just, you know, we, we know the game on, on the Mac ports there. Some of them can be janky and weird and unusual. So, oh, yeah. um, 
have you okay here's slight aside and then casper's in here but have you ever heard the term <laughs> euro jank euro jank no jank like janky yeah janky, it's called euro yeah. jank it's a thing in the in the gaming space like games made in europe because there's a lot of them and a lot of really good ones especially yeah, Poland. Right. um so they just have this term for it. It, it sounds like a slur or something. I don't it know does, if, people, yeah. if, if it is. So I want to ask Casper, but he's not because he's European. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Witcher 2 Macport had some Euro jank going on. Actually, so did The Witcher 1. Um, but anyway, oh, yeah. I, think, I think they also term it like, because they tend to make these really ambitious games. Like, um, let's talk about like Gothic series, Gothic 1, 2, 3, and so on. Like, for their time, like they didn't necessarily have the technology to really um, achieve their vision, but they try right. anyway. So the game ends up like being weird and janky. So somehow this term came out like you were saying. <laughs> we, we can talk about that with Casper sometime. I think it would be fun. Actually, I got to write <laughs> it that would down. Be, yeah. It just it, occurred to me. But uh, we need to get an actual European on to talk about it. Yeah, Otherwise, that would help. <laughs> and he also plays these kinds of games um, that would qualify to be called that. So that'd be fun. Um, Let's see. Uh, do you have? Uh, let's throw it back to you. You got a game you'd like to chat about? Okay. Uh, let me check up some, figure out something here on my list. Um, I'll just throw out something probably nobody else has ever played, but I, I'm throwing it. It's on my list. It's on the bottom of my list, but um, it's I play. It's interesting because it's completely different from almost any other game. Um, it's called Journey to the Wild Divine, and. Huh. I don't know if you probably never heard about it. I got it on the Mac, <laughs> but it's claimed the fame was it came with a biofeedback unit. Holy moly. Yeah. I'm just, and you played it. You played it with the biofeedback on, and you actually controlled the game. A lot of the game stuff by actually relaxing. Um, wow. You would do breathing exercises. You know, there was this one, there's this one scene in it. I remember we had the uh, juggle balls. You know, like a juggler, <laughs> right? And you were in the biofeedback and you had to like get the rhythm of your breathing down so the, the, the thing would pick up your relaxation and the balls <laughs> would just float up in the air and fly around. It wow. was phenomenal. It was actually kind of a new agey type of a well, really new agey type of a game. Right. Um, it was designed to teach, you know, like breathing, kind of like yoga breathing and, and, and uh, relaxation, meditation, stuff like that. But it actually had a way of, act, you know, monitoring what you were doing, obviously through the biofeedback. And it had it was really well done. I thought it was you know, a lot of interesting music in it. And um, there was a storyline to it. I can't remember a whole lot about it. Um, but, you, you know, you went from here to there. You learn different things. And, you know, you basically there was no real combat or anything, but you had to do things with the game to, you know, get it to open, open up the next parts of it and everything. Um, it was, yeah, it was, that was the neatest part about it was that, you know, you actually had some different type of an input device. And that's why I threw it on my list because I don't think I've ever seen another game with a input device other than a game controller or a mouse and keyboard, you know, and this one, I was always fascinated with different ways to control the, uh, you know, control a computer. And that was, that was one of them. It it's actually, really came, yeah. yeah, it came out with a second version, um, which wasn't anywhere near as popular as the first one. 
but it was okay, you know, but it wasn't anywhere near as good. It was just kind of an extension of it. And eventually the company moved from selling, you know, a game on a CD to actually having a service that you could uh, um, take, you know, uh, subscribe to, I guess is the best word for it. And then, you know, you they had all their stuff online. So, um, um, yeah, that was... That was pretty good. It was, again, it was a lot of fun. It was completely unique for the time. I think, let me see if I got the information. It came out in uh, 2001. Um, I don't remember when the second game came out, but it was uh, a couple, three, four years after that. And it was big in the new age um, type of uh, spiritual healing and spiritual growth areas of the the world and so whatever right. i don't know what else to call it other than that um but uh i don't i like it, i lost touch with it after the the second game i actually reviewed uh both of them the first and the second one for somebody i'm not sure i think it might have been I, I don't remember who it was published in but um nice. that was my introduction to it and it was i was completely blown away by it so it still works i have a friend that's actually still playing it on windows in Holy you know man. and uh he, he enjoys his time it helps him relax and stuff but you yeah. know it's completely cool. different from most of the games where you think oh it's action and you know uh blood pumping and this one here is more like relaxation you know calm your breathing and everything but go ahead i'm sorry i interrupted you no i was just going to say that this idea of biofeedback i've never experienced it myself um but i remember reading about it in older magazines and this and that i don't recall hearing about this game but i guess the maybe biofeedback's the wrong term but um you know, they wanted to do things like hook up a, a chair to the game that would like rumble with explosions or like some sort of vest. <laughs> and they've played around with these. They've never taken off because I think they're expensive and ultimately yeah, more of a gimmick. Problem. But um, that, that the idea uh, interests me, like basically how to immerse yourself in this world or how to connect yourself to the game beyond just a mouse and keyboard. I also have to say controller. Right. Or I guess if you're playing mobile games these days, it's your thumbs. But um, you know, I, I don't like mobile gaming, so I leave it out of the conversation. Um, <laughs> but this idea that, oh, beyond like using, well, your eyes, your brain, your hands, whatever, like, oh, you actually have to like do something with your body, like beyond just that, like whether it's your breathing or maybe certain movement. And I guess that's where like maybe, <clears throat> uh, probably VR makes more sense in the future mm-hmm. where like maybe you wear a vest and a helmet and a thing and yada, yada. But or I guess people, they do like this treadmill thing where you can run in place on a harness, I think. Right. Because then you can act anyway. Um, that's probably more sensible. But I've heard people proposing like um, some sort of like odor smell dispenser thing that actually like <laughs> sprays a scent or something. You know, all this like crazy stuff, right? Or oh yeah, my. like needing to wear like gloves to like that. You know, gotcha. so that that'll probably all happen one day, long in the technological future, or who knows right. how long. But um, the idea to me, it relates to this game you were talking about, Journey to the Wild Divine. Um, I do agree, though, that it's, you know, generally all those uses, biofeedback's probably the wrong term, but like immersion features, um, you know, like chairs or vests or helmets or whatever, those, as far as I know, are always aimed at like action games. So I do appreciate that someone took the time to develop, you know, this uh, like meditation type game or relaxation type game. 
And, you know, because I also grew up playing what they call edutainment games, educational entertainment games. Right. You know, various like um, learning history stuff or math. I think it was like number munchers or something. Where yeah. All being really <laughs> fun. Um, there was some like really cool interactive um, encyclopedia things that were really cool. Um, a couple other, I think there was something about ancient Greece. It was really goofy, but I remember it being like fun because you could actually learn like historical stuff. Um, so, you know, like I appreciate these almost like alternative games in a sense. I don't engage with them now, but I grew up playing them. Um, and I'm kind of surprised people haven't done more with that. I guess, and this is veering off slightly from our favorite games list, pure topic, but we were talking about such games. So, <clears throat> I think maybe what's replaced that is people have made stuff like walking simulators or talking games where the goal isn't to fight or to beat someone or love, love, love. You just go and experience something mm-hmm. and it's like a really nice forest or, or an ocean or whatever, or maybe you just talk to people at a coffee shop. Um, you know, like there's these kinds of games put out there and they're reasonably popular on steam. Some of them get sequels. Um, you know, and maybe kind of where that's gone, this idea of like, oh, let's make a relaxing experience, not bing, bang, whiz, boom, kapow, level up, whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. Command the armies, defeat the monster taking over the universe, whatever. It's just like to all that all out the window. Um, I can't claim <laughs> these are my favorite games. Um, but I mean, if you had asked me as a kid what one of my favorite games was, I probably would have said like Number Munchers or whatever. But um, <laughs> it was, I remember it being really fun. I played it long after <laughs> I needed to like learn. I was just doing it because I enjoyed it. Um, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was just, just fun. There yeah. was some, yeah, it, it just, I brought it up mainly because it's, it's just completely different from so many other things that are on the list. And I, I, I like something that's unique. And, and, and I think the reason why it worked was because the biofeedback part of it wasn't all that expensive, you know, oh, okay. and, and, and it was part of the, the of the package when you bought it. I think it was like 50. I'm going to I'm going to guess it was around 50, 40, 50 dollars for the thing at, at the time. But that included the biofeedback device. Oh, nice. Which, Not bad at which, all. Yeah. So, I mean, it was it because it was whereas, you know, I like the idea of all the other little bits and pieces you could, you know, eventually will come about. but. You know, if, 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 did you ever read, um, Ready Player One? Yes. Okay. And, you know, in there, I mean, you know, the, the expensive suits and all that, that they were in the, in the game and the book, the, um, you know, I could see that eventually happening, but again, it's going to be a separate market for the hardware and not everybody's going to be able to afford the, the fancy, whatever, (laughs) just like today, not everybody's going to be able to afford the latest and greatest graphics card that you can plop into your 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 pc you know but um you know where this you know the one thing about the way they did this was it was all part of the package and it was affordable so you could get away with it nice cool yeah good game um or very uh i don't know if the game's good i didn't play it but the idea of the game's good um i think we can uh how many sorry i I didn't keep track how many games did you do i think it was like five or six yeah probably about four or five of them because i I did two of them real quick and then yeah right elaborated more yeah um well we could wrap it up here or do you want to do one more each what do you want to do um i guess we could wrap it up here yeah it has it has been an hour and i I took a few tangents (laughs) no that's fine that's always fine i think no that's a good start 
Um, and hopefully, you know, ideally, of course, the podcast is always more fun with uh, a third person, but, um, you know, Lily's super busy with the army stuff. Sam's unavailable due to work and Casper has school stuff for the next few weeks. So, um, probably, you know, we might have to wait a few weeks, but hopefully we can get on with like three of us and have a little more of a round table. Yeah. Uh, That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your favorite games, Ted. I loved hearing about it, especially since some of them I haven't heard of or haven't played before at all. Um, and, uh, I love the historical part of gaming in general. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't think of you as old, but you are older than me. So <laughs> you have more like range of experience in the, in the gaming and much earlier than me. Um, so it's really cool to hear about all that stuff. So thank you for sharing. Oh yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun bringing up some, looking up all this old stuff <laughs> I've yeah. forgotten about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a good time. Okay, well, thank you everyone for listening, and we will be back uh, hopefully in a couple of weeks with our continuation of the series. So thanks for listening, and have a good one. Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye.